Welcome into episode number eight of the Todd Pod. That's right, Todd Pod, the Ocho. And joining me today for episode numero Ocho is our friend Garen Emig, GarenEmig.com, part of the Sellout Crowd Network. You can follow him on social media at Garen Emig. Garen, good to have you on the Todd Pod. Glad we're on the same team. It's the first time we've been on the same team together. It's good to see you. It is great to be on your team. Uh, I hope you've got some soccer talk planned for later in the show, but if you don't, it'll still be great. I, I, I have no doubt about that. It really is good to be back with you. Well, the good thing about Sellout Crowd and the good thing about you know our websites that we have and our channels that we have is we can talk about damn near whatever we want to talk That's about. True. So You're at right. some point, we will talk plenty of soccer, whether it's tonight or down the road. Uh, Garen, I thought one of the better uh, pieces that was, that was written kind of at launch was your story about the Tulsa Whippets. Uh, we, we had a, for those that don't know, we have like a little kind of get together weekly. We had a meeting and you brought in some photos that ran with your story that we were all looking at and laughing at a young Garen Ebig. I know you talked about it in your story, but the Tulsa Whippets was a, a youth soccer team that you played on. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of, you know, for those that didn't read the story, Tell me about how the team came together. I know you mentioned it just shortly that, you know, your team was together for about 10 years, but how that team came together, what what part of Tulsa you were in? Just give me the Oklahoma or the Tulsa Whippet story. Yeah, no, I mean, the idea was to sort of write an introductory column and tied into what we're trying to accomplish here at Sellout Crowd and, and, and how we're trying to differentiate ourselves from how, you know, past traditional sports outlets have presented stories and content and, uh, in, in trying to decide how to tie in my personal experience with why I, I joined the team at Sellout Crowd, the Whippets was the first thing that came to mind. This is a youth soccer team that my, my dad coached when I first moved to Tulsa, moved to Oklahoma in the summer of 76. That's- you, Garen, you were the original Gunner Gundy. <laughs> Your dad was the coach. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's right. Um yeah, not, although I didn't rescue a game against uh, FCS Central Arkansas is the only <laughs> difference, right? So, no. Um, anyway, I joined the soccer team. That was my first sport when I was a, a kid. I was too small to play f- basketball or football. My dad was a soccer player. I became a soccer player. And anyway, uh, when we moved to Tulsa, the the soccer boom was just hitting, right? Not just in Tulsa, but across the country. And, and dad signed up to coach a youth team. Uh, I lived just north of downtown Tulsa. And so a lot of our, our players were from the north side of Tulsa. Um, and for, for listeners who aren't familiar with that with the city, that's predominantly, uh, let's just call it a more challenging part of the city. Um, very urban. Um, it's, it's sort of the forgotten, unfortunately, and the, and the overlooked part of the city for a lot of reasons that we won't get into on the show. But uh, you, we... Be, be that as it may, the kids signed up. Uh, there, there were other parts of the city represented, and what the, the team that signed up in the summer of '76 eventually became, over the next ten years, one of the best youth soccer teams in the state. We won two state championships. The core from that very first team stayed together, and it was a it was a multiracial. It was there were, there were multiple socioeconomics involved, multiple parts of the city. And it was really one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. And it will always own a very special piece of my heart because it sort of opened my eyes to shared experiences, right? And what sports can do in terms of seeing a bigger picture. And that's kind of the, the romantic idea behind Sellout Crowd, right? We're, we're not just looking at surface level stuff. 
in this enterprise, but we're digging sort of beneath that to try to draw out a human element and a, if, if, if a social element when called upon, a racial element when called upon. And so the column that I wrote to on launch day was about what it touched on the whippets, but then got into how the whippets sort of form my, the way I looked at sports as I got older and sports riding as I entered the profession. And so that in a nutshell is why I started with, with that column, everything that I've done since, and it's been sort of based on my whippets experience. And so, yeah, it's still, it's still a very big deal to me. And uh, if, if the whippets have long since disbanded, Todd, the idea has stayed with me and I hope to pass on that idea to, to both readers and listeners. It is amazing. The life lessons you get out of sports, you know, my dad's a basketball coach and I don't know how many times I would say, you know, why can't I stay out late at night? And his answer would be, well, why can't you stand in the lane for more than three seconds? It's a rule, you know, like he always would go back to sports to make a point with me. And there are so many great lessons that we learn in sports that if you, if you take sports the right way, you right. can translate them into real life experience. So um, I, you know, one of the things that you mentioned just now when talking about the whippets is that you guys stayed together for 10 years, which, you know, my kids have played youth sports, your kids have played youth sports. That's not the norm anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, we had different high school experiences. I went to a small town school. You're a Booker T Washington grad, right? Uh, right. We, we, you went to a big school that, played in some of the biggest basketball and football games in the state. I went to a small school that had to wish that we got a, you know, a two line story written about us in the Oklahoma or in the Eastern Oklahoma County paper, you know, and yeah. for both of us though, and you know, you're a little older than me, but for no big deal, but you're a little older than me, but for both of us, we, we both had this experience. I think where community was a big part of yeah. what, not just youth sports, but high school was and it feels lost in sports nowadays even in small towns everything feels more about wins and losses mm-hmm. kids are transferring right and left kids right. are not staying on the same youth sports team are we doing it wrong as parents because let's face it this all is kind of our fault right as the parents that's a loaded question man i mean yes i mean there is a parental aspect to what you're talking about but what I worry about is the system and it is a system is sort of set up to promote or, or go against some of the things that we grew up accepting as, as our reality. Right. And, you know, I mean, let us, I'll put it this way. When I was going to uh, the, whether it was the Whippets and I, I did play soccer for Booker T, we won a state championship there. It was because of, of the nature of the school, again, a little bit like the Whippets, multicultural, multiracial, very valuable life lessons learned just being at that high school for four years. You didn't think about leaving. I mean, that was your school. I mean, that's just what you, that's where you started. That's where you finished. And it's, it, I don't know if it's so much parental, my man. It's, it's, there are things that have just been either overlooked or let go or that we accept as the new reality that sets up um <laughs> it sets up different experiences uh, i'll try to be careful here with how i phrase it where kids jump from school to school i mean there is such a thing as a transfer portal i guess in high schools now there's such a thing as uh, i'm doing this for different reasons whether to promote my how i'm going to look in terms of getting a college scholarship or, or even NIL, 
that's trickling down into the ranks of high schools. Uh, there's legislation. We're bringing, we're bringing the political system into how high school sports and club sports are, are set up. And so it's just, it's just a change game. And uh, I think we've all accepted it, sort of like we accepted some of the new realities as we cover college football. That's the, that's the passion still here in Oklahoma. And if, you know, we're, we're sort of numb to things like conference realignment and NIL and the portal because we're just used to it. But if we stop and think for a second, I think it's a good idea to sort of look back and go, where did, where did this go off the rails? And how should we feel about it going off the rails? And it, it does trickle all the way down to youth sports. And then the question becomes, well, is it too late to take a stand? Is it too late to do something to turn it back into the enterprise that you and I were more familiar with? Well, is it is it trickling? You mentioned you said trickle down to youth sports. Do you think that is what's happened? Because youth sports now is more transactional than it's ever mm-hmm. been. You know, Brent Venables, when he came into Oklahoma, and this this is kind of the conversation going back to Big 12 Media Day this year, where he had the quote about Deion Sanders in Colorado. Yeah. Is he didn't want to have a transactional relationship with players. He wanted it to be relationship driven. He wanted it to be about right. getting to know somebody and helping somebody out, which is a tough thing to do with the rules in college athletics right now. Have we seen, you know, I don't want to pin this on Kevin Durant or LeBron James and his decision, but NBA free agency is huge now. Mm-hmm. A college football free agency, it's its own little niche like sport now. Is it just natural that that is trickling down to high school and youth athletics? Yeah, and look, and I stand by my defense of the ideas behind things like the portal and NIL, things that full stop, tilted the balance more toward the players in their, in their battle to, to have more, you know, say and, 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 and pull against coaches and administrators, because for far too long, it was just the opposite. It, everything was sort of rigged against the players to have freedom of movement and to have rights to their name, image, and likeness. It's ridiculous that it took as long as it did. I'm still all in on that stuff, but Perhaps what I didn't consider and what a lot of other people didn't consider was a tr- the trickle down and that there would be layers to this. And that because ESPN now does a high school game of the week, a national game of the week, and you have prep pipelines instead of high schools now, like IMG that ESPN promotes and broadcasts, you know, on, on Thursday or Friday nights, that there would be a, a reverberation from this. And so, um, we have to we have to arrive at a comfort zone, right? Sort of like Venables does. He he doesn't want to. He he he's not in the business of transactional relationships. To your point, I actually asked him this week at his press conference in Norman about how he's come to grips with the transfer portal. He and he gave a really interesting answer. He doesn't like it. He he'll never like it because he's very old school in again organic relationships with players who are going to be in your program for four or five years. But at the same time, you have to adapt to changing times and tides. And you, 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 either, you either adapt, especially if you're in a position like Venables is or Mike Gundy in Stillwater, or you end up like Dabo Sweeney did on Monday night against Duke where you had just one transfer. Right. And, and you have no more. And you're, you look like on the same talent level as Duke in a 28 to 7 loss. So it's, it's an uncomfortable situation we're in is what I'm saying. and. It's it's there two thing two different things can be true. We don't have to like the direction all of this is going, while at the same time recognizing that there were some overdue things about the direction that needed to happen to to promote freedom of movement, to promote 
college athletes' rights, um, and, and sort of what we we just have to find a, a, a soft landing spot somewhere. And that's not going to. And obviously, that hasn't been easy to get to, and it won't be easy to get to. So, how do the inner city schools cope with this? Because this kind of leads into another question, which I think they they are all they are all kind of rolled together, which is. Mm-hmm. How you know people say all the time? Well, of course, Jinx and Union win all the six A titles. They've got all the students. But Bixby came in last year and won a title with the lowest enrollment in six A one. And I think the argument is not anymore. They've got all the students, and no disrespect to Bixby, incredible football program. But right. there is a ton of money there that yeah. schools in inner cities can't cope with. So if you're an inner city student and Bixby's got all the money and facilities. And it's basically open transfer, which is what we've turned into. How do you still have good athletics at these city schools, which, as you've talked about, is not just a big part of, you know, making the alumni happy that you won homecoming, but keeping kids out of trouble and off the streets and keeping their grades up? No, that's the thing, man. I mean, these are these are loaded topics. I mean, the rules are in place the way the rules are in place, you you know, you do what you do. And so I don't, I don't fault Bixby, Jinx, you and over here, I'm in Tulsa. I don't fault the suburban powers that are, that are around my neighborhood for right. Using the rules as they are established to do what they have to do to secure their dominance. And so that's not, it's not Lauren Montgomery's fault. It's not Kirk Frederick's fault. It's not Bill Blankenship's fault, but that, yeah, for, for every success, there is a, a, a failure and a, you know, it's cause and effect. And, it, Booker T, I'll use again, my high school is they, they are, they're teetering on, I'm not saying relevance because I think they're always going to be relevant, right? But they're, they're teetering on something that's unimaginable. And that is relevance as it relates to being, you know, sort of competitive on a state championship level or even a playoff level. And th- you start there and you trickle down to Central, Memorial, Hale, McLean, uh, uh, other school to East Central and, you know, in TPS, Oklahoma City's got the same issues. Um, they're not as pronounced because you don't have the suburban, you know, powers that you do over here in Tulsa. But I, I just I'd like us to stop and think just for a second about the cause and effect that's going on here. And it's not just that we're a winning season at, at a place like Booker T that used to routinely compete for championships and won a state title as recently as what, six years ago, seven years ago, with, uh, when they beat Bixby in the, in the, in the state final, they're just trying to, they have the looks of a team that's just trying to finish above 500. It's not just that Todd, it's to your point, opportunity for kids to do something besides make, choices outside, you know, make choices that are not going to be good for, for their development. Right. And not going to, not going to put them in a position to succeed. And I'm not saying that's David Jackson's responsibility at the OSSAA. That's certainly not a guilt trip, guilt trip. I'm laying on Lauren Montgomery or Bill Blankenship or Keith Riggs at Jinx. But if the system is what it is, there are going to be consequences. And well, like a lot of things that are going on right now in society, we're not looking at a trickle down to, to, to people that are, that are getting forgotten in, in the trickle and the, the cracks. And that's what worries me. That's, 
It's not about whether Booker T is going to hang another banner in the next five years, which clearly it's going to be a challenge to do. It's how many kids are going to go out over there? How many kids is, is my friend Kip Shaw going to have come out at Central? How many is, is, is Hale even a sustainable football program moving forward? That's unfathomable right. to me for a, a guy that grew up with Hale as one of the, the you know, the, the uh, played for back when I was in school, a 5A state championship. They at least competed at that level, right? So it, it's, it's such a heady topic. And I, I just want us to stop and think about what's going on here besides things that are in the headlines and things that we all think we know to be true, because there's so much more that we don't know that, that we need to stop and consider. Well, and I, I think a lot of people, just their initial reaction is when you say something like that, why do you hate Bixby? Why do you hate Jinx? And I think if you look deeper, there's a lot more to it than that. There's a yeah. lot of unintended consequences that exactly. happen with the way high school sports are set up. Uh, you wrote another good uh, story over at GaronEmick.com and over on Sellout Crowd com as well about Friday night college football. Mm-hmm. October 6th, Oklahoma State's got a Friday night game. Oklahoma TCU's on the Friday after Thanksgiving as well. That's going to mess with uh, either quarterfinal or semifinal week. I never can remember in the OSSAA calendar. But um, just in general, is this one of those things that is just, again, because of the times with TV money, is it one of those things that's on the train that's on the tracks that we can't stop? Yep. And same with what we were talking about just a second ago. I, we need to stop and think about that. We, we, we accept too much as, well, that's just the way things are going, right? I mean, so what are we going to do about it? We, we, I, I, I wrote a column this week about conference realignment on the week that OSU goes to a Pac-12 school. They're still in the Pac-12, Arizona State. The Pac-12 ceases to exist after the season. Right. That's, that should be mind-boggling to everybody. And yet we sort of accept it as, that's business as usual. That's the way that's the way things are. So what are we going to do about it? It's crazy, right? I mean, it's madness. High school football should be a Friday night enterprise. This isn't new. I mean, colleges have been playing Friday night games for, for several years now, right? So the purpose of the of the column wasn't to point out that look at look at what's happening on Friday night in Stillwater, October 6th. We've never seen this before. Well, we have seen it before in general. What's different is you've got a Big 12 commissioner in Brett Yormark who stands up at Big 12 Media Days a few weeks ago and says, we got to find places to, to, to put our inventory. Friday night is one of them, right? right. The hell with high school football. This is how it's going to be. That's kind of how Mike Gundy characterized it when I brought it to his attention. Yeah, I don't like it. Mike's as invested as any college coach I know in high school football because his kids went through the Stillwater system, Right. He doesn't like it, but what's he going to do about it? It's not Gundy's fault. It's not Chad Weiberg's fault at OSU that they're hosting Kansas State on the same night that that uh, a lot of high schools are playing football this year in October. Um, but we need to stop and think about it. Lauren Montgomery, Kirk Frederick, and Bill Blankenship, three of the more prominent high school coaches here in the Tulsa Metro, they're still digging a foot in and saying this is wrong. There's nothing wrong with listening to that and taking stock in the fact that this is wrong. Can I can I throw something at you? Just just a thought. Yeah. Um, while I, I generally agree with you that uh, that it is wrong and and Friday nights are for high school football. I I don't know if you know the answer to this, but when did the Oklahoma State Kansas State game get announced? About when that when would that have been that it was announced for a Friday night kick? It was announced when the Big Twelve put its schedule out. Do you remember about when that was? 
I know it came out at a little bit different time this year because of the 14 team conference. Right. right. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I, but here's, here's my point. Right. Why, if I'm an athletic director at say Elgin and we play cash on Friday, October 6th, why wouldn't I get on the phone with cash and say, Hey, that's maybe a bad example. Let's say we're still water high school mm-hmm. and we're playing somebody Enid. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I get on the phone with Enid and say, Hey, let's move our game to Thursday that week. Stillwater's playing on Thursday that week. And and Chad mentioned in our conversation that there was some consideration for the local high school, but that's that's missing the overall, right? I mean, it, great. Stillwater is playing on Thursday. A lot of high schools play on Thursday for a lot of different reasons. I mean, it's, part, it's partially because of the intrusion of college football. I think it also has to do with the fact that they're trying to get officiating crews to all these games, right? Yeah and get them covered, get them officiated. There's a, there's a ton of things that high school football is up against, even in a state like Oklahoma where high school football is not quite on the religion of Texas, but it's within distance, right? I mean, it's shouting distance. That doesn't, but you know what, Todd? Here, here's who plays on Friday night, the week of OSU's game against Kansas State, Bixby. Brennan Presley plays for OSU. He's got a kid brother, Braden, still playing for Bixby. Okay. Braden has um, an injury issue. I got on the phone with Arthur Presley. I don't think he'd mind me sharing this with you Uh, as part of my homework for the story. Arthur told me, look, we're all in on Brendan's games because it's his last year at OSU. So we've made the decision that we're going to go see Brendan if there's a conflict. Braden's a little dinged up. We'll see how his availability is by the time October 6th or 7th rolls around that weekend rolls around. But the point is, what if Braden was 100% healthy? What, mm-hmm. what kind of position are they in because of this conflict? This isn't just the community school where the college is located. This, this, there's a lot of OSU fans who go to Bixby games, Owasso games, Jinx games, TPS games. And at TPS, where you're literally relying on anything you make on Friday nights at the gate to sustain your budget, you don't want any excuse to turn anyone away at that gate. And here's an excuse for people not to show up the night that OSU hosts Kansas State. I'm going to stay home and watch OSU versus Kansas State. Pretty damn important game in terms of the Big 12 race, right? K-State's only the defending conference champion. So I'm just saying that we can't accept everything as part of the machinery just cranking along and churning out different change, whether it's realignment or portal or nil or anything else this is one of the if everything's about chasing revenue in college athletics there are there are effects from that that we aren't really thinking about or we're numb to and friday night is being in the word of in the phrase of david jackson when i talked to him for the column if that's used to be sacred ground it isn't anymore and that to me is a shame well, I, you know, I was very fortunate in high school. I played on a very successful team. We played 54 games in my four-year career. So I got 14 more games than a lot of high school kids get that don't make the playoffs. But 40 games is not a whole lot of football games. And I just hate that we would screw around and mess up even one of those experiences for mm-hmm. a kid, you know, for the almighty dollar. But then again, like I guess with the current landscape of sports, yeah. it should be expected. I mean, real quick, check uh, – 
the Brett Yormark was hired away essentially from the New Jersey Nets, right? An NBA franchise. Do, do you think he even thought for a second about the ramifications this no. might have on high school football? And, no. and, and, and you know, what's, what's crazy, Garen, is part of that is why Brett Yormark is doing such a great job with the Big 12. Like, I think both of those things are true because yep. he has said no idea is a bad idea, right? Mm-hmm. He, so, he, they, didn't, they didn't hire him to think about how this might affect high school football at Stillwater. Right. And I, I get it. But <laughs> but if he was hired to protect and serve a, a conference that is trying to keep up with the SEC and the Big Ten and secure media rights money as much as he can get, there was there was con- there was a consequence to that. And this is one of the consequences is how it's intruded this year specifically, because the Big 12 is now not just having teams play non-conference games on Friday nights, but league games, this has intruded on David Jackson's sacred ground. I know, uh, Garen, you're the same as me. And by the way, if you haven't checked out uh, Garen's podcast, Mind Games with Garen Emigs, go, go, Garen Emig, go give that a listen over on uh, all the places you can find podcasts on his YouTube channel, all that stuff. But you're the same as me. I, I like a sports conversation that makes me think. And sometimes when you challenge people to think, um, and you know, I'll just say it, the small minded people think you are telling them how to think. Right. Right. So we're not certainly telling anyone what to do, but in your opinion, what could we as a society do? We as parents, we as a generation or two past from high school and youth sports now, what can we do to make this situation better? Or is it too far gone? I don't know if it's too far gone. I, I think that's that's debate, debatable. I mean, because of just things that we, that I mean, you look at things that we encounter not just in sports but life day to day, and some of the whether it's education, public education. That's a, there's a bigger crisis in public ed. I mean, I could get, we could have another hour on that than than there is on on uh, uh, these these schools sports programs. Uh, it's culture, it's religion, it's politics, it's 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 city government, it's everything. Uh, what I want to, people to do who who listen to me or you or read me or read you or listen to or read anyone connected to sellout crowd is to think in dimensions. We, there's we don't think that we don't think enough in in dimensions. We we decide something is true. We land on that and bleep you if you're going to tell me otherwise. That is what's helping get us into this mess we're in right now. Again, I'm speaking broadly here, not just with sports. It goes with everything. You can't have a discussion with anyone without it feels like someone digging in and saying, well, that's just not true. Yeah. Well, life is lived in the gray areas. And we, we have now become a society where people are uncomfortable to go into those gray areas and have those discussions. And that applies to sports, right? I mean, we, right. we can... That's the thing about that's what I want. That's what I did when I was at my as my last job as columnist is that I wanted to use sports to shine a light or a lens, whatever you want to call it, on bigger, broader issues related to how we're getting by. And the the main theme to anything that I wrote when it came to that was we've got to stop and just think about this stuff or else we got no chance. And that goes for uh, college uh, conferences chasing money that goes for. Uh, acceptance of name, image, and likeness in the transfer portal. That that goes for how we act on social media. If a if a if a college kid muffs a punt or drops a pass, that that costs the team a game. I mean, 
before we we hit send on the tweet on the tweet or the post on Instagram or the email, we're not thinking about the fact that the guy might be 19 years old and just trying to figure bleep out, right? That's got to stop. And so that if there's one theme that I want people to to stay with uh, moving forward in, in reading me, uh, listening to me when I when I'm you know doing my show or coming on shows like yours, it's enough, right? I mean, we we got no shot here unless we stop and consider some stuff. And uh, sports gives us a great opportunity to do that. Back to where we started with the whippets, I wouldn't have thought to consider the socioeconomic situation of a, an 11 year old teammate without that experience. It opened my eyes to a lot of things at a very young age. And that stayed with me over the next, you know, eight or nine years, as long as the whip had stayed in, in, in business. And that that was important then. It's really important now, given where we are. Well, one of the things I love about the crew that we've assembled, not we, I didn't, we didn't do any of it, but that the powers that be have assembled at selloutcrowd.com is that we do have many of those people who I do think think on multi-dimensions, whether it's Barry or Jenny or Eli with some of the storytelling he does or you know, getting to know the Hutchins brothers is great. I've obviously worked with Sam. Uh, John Hamm is, I mean, the guy's like a human calculator, which is amazing. And then, you know, Brett Dawson, who is, uh, I haven't worked with him much. I've obviously read a lot of his stuff, but just in conversation with him, I know he's one of those guys that that is able to see things that way as well. So I'm really looking forward to having these conversations with you, Garen, yeah, sure. uh, over our time together. And I just want, before we leave, you're headed to Arizona this weekend, right? No, no. Barry's going to Tempe okay. with, with the Hutch Eye. I'm going to be in Norman with Jenny and Eli covering uh, OUSMU. So, are you uh, are you okay being in a world where they're in the ACC soon? SMU? Not really. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's but they're not Cal and Stanford with the Pacific Ocean bordering their state <laughs> playing in the Atlantic coast, the Atlantic coast conference. So I, I guess it could be worse, but Hey, I, all they got to do is just rebrand it. It's the alternate or all coast conference. It doesn't I have to be Atlantic that. anymore. So it is, it is a little bit goofy, but uh, you know what? The goofiness gives us even more dimensions to crawl through and figure out the stories, right? It'll be here. Here's the deal. And I've said this in the, in the PAC 12 column. Look, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to cover. From both an OU and OSU perspective, I can't wait to see how the Big 12 sort of reimagines, rebrands, rebrands itself, just like I can't wait to see how Oklahoma puts up with Alabama, Georgia, LSU, and those monsters in the SEC. It's just a little insane <laughs> that, yeah. that we're doing yeah. this. That's all I'm yeah, saying. I agree with you. Okay, three rapid-fire questions, then yeah. we are done. Let's start with this one. Best barbecue in the 918. Who is it? Um. It's easier for me to say the 405. I'm 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 a big Rays guy in Norman because that's where that's where I lived the 15 years of my life, raised my kids. 918. I've got a um, Elmer's, the ba- home of the Bad Witch, still very high on my list. They've got a new store over there on Brookside. I understand that I haven't been to that I need to get to. So we'll start with Elmer's. I know everyone makes a big deal about Burnco. It's good. I'd rather have Elmer's. Okay. Uh, second one. Best current. Uh... Current uh, campus to visit for a road game, not OU or OSU in the current Big 12. You know what I'm going to say. Go ahead, say it. LFK, baby. Lawrence, Lawrence, Kansas. And it's not just because I went there. It may be a little bit because I went there. But Lawrence is a jewel. 
Laura, downtown, Mastery, a lot of local, still a lot of local businesses and really cool, offbeat, unique shops. The bar scene is fantastic, whether you're a 20 something or a young 20 something and you want to hit the triangle, which is the wheel, the hawk, and the bull, or you're like you and I and don't want to sort of be outcast, you know, sort of what are they doing here, right? You can still get that experience on a Friday night before kickoff downtown near Mass. Um, music's great. Uh, people are great. It's a it's an easy vibe. It's not a big football town that we know, but um, it, you go there for a basketball game. For those who haven't, shame on you. It, they sort of make up for it when the when the Jayhawks are playing at Allen Fieldhouse, so, which is the best venue in sports, let alone the Big Twelve. So, uh, no, Lawrence is. Uh, if I'm an OU fan and, and I'm thinking about places I'm going to miss when you go to the SEC, I'm, I'm starting with Lawrence. By the way, he says Mass. He's not talking about uh, Catholic Mass. It's Massachusetts Street. Massachusetts. It's quite, quite the opposite sure. stuff goes on there that, of what goes on. At Catholic <laughs> Mass. Uh, there, there is alcohol being drank. Other than that, it's quite different. Uh, and then finally, Garen, uh, whether it's new SEC schools for Oklahoma or new or welcome back in the case of Colorado, right. uh, Pac-12 schools join in the Big 12 next year. What's the new, whether it's for OU or OSU, what's the new conference foe that you're most looking forward to going and covering on the road, and why is it Colorado? (laughs) (laughs) It it is Colorado for the Big 12 just because of how much I miss Boulder. God, I miss Boulder. I've missed Boulder since she left us, and I have no trouble calling Boulder a she. I'm I'm smitten. I can't wait to go back and and see the flat irons and, and, you know, do whatever else they do in Boulder. We'll see what, you know, what that, whatever that is. Uh, SEC wise, just because I've never been for a football game like Baton Rouge, I've, I've got to see what, I know people are starting with the Grove. I'd rather go to Baton Rouge and see if it's everything that I've heard it is. Don't forget to check out Garen's stuff at GarenEmig.com. You can follow him at Garen Emig on all the social media channels. Like, subscribe to his Apple podcast, to his Spotify, to his YouTube. Check mine out as well, ToddLizzamy.com. Go like, subscribe to the Todd Pod everywhere you get your podcast. Garen, it's been a pleasure. We'll do this a lot more soon. I hope so. And we'll we'll talk uh, proper football at some point, I hope. That's right. Thanks to Garen Emig. Thanks to you for listening to episode eight of the Todd Pod. 